Welcome back to The Shelf Oddities. My name is Erie. And I'm Serafina. And Erie, what oddity are you feeling like today? I am feeling like a pig's heart in a mason jar, lovingly on someone's shelf. Oh, that's sweet. It's funny. I'm feeling like a small taxidermied mouse holding a little brass heart. Just a little guy with a little cute heart, you know? He's a little fella. That's how I'm feeling. It's been a really good Sunday. Uh, the sun is shining in February, and mm-hmm. it's just been really nice. How have you been feeling? What's What have you been up to this week? Uh, this week has been fucking rough, <laughs> let me yeah. tell you. Sure Oddlings, has. it's fucking time, okay? Um, yeah, I've just been through some life stuff. Yeah. Just figuring it out, um, you know, like you do at the age of almost 30. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Um, but I started therapy this week, which is super cool. I wanted to talk about that on the pod because obviously we are definitely advocates for mental health. You and I have both been through many a thing. Yeah. Um, therapy is something that I've always struggled with because we are both very self-aware. I know you, yeah. the struggle. Um, so, and this is not sponsored, but like Talkspace, if you want to sponsor us, um, I, mean, I started sure. using Talkspace um, on Monday and I got assigned a really cool therapist and we're working through some stuff. Um, he's been really responsive. I had my first like live video session with him on Friday um, and I'm, I'm really happy with it so far. I'm excited to get in there and do the self work and figure some shit out because ain't we all just figured out. Ain't that just the way. It's the hardest part about therapy, besides all the digging up your trauma and all that nonsense, is finding a good therapist, like someone you click with. So I'm really happy to hear that you've been, you know, clicking with this guy and Mm -hmm. you've been feeling able to talk to somebody about some stuff because life is heavy and it's hard to carry it all by yourself. That's for damn sure. Facts. So go to therapy if you can. Yes. That's uh, that's it. That's the episode. Stay out, Arcadia. No. Um, yeah, definitely. Therapy is a good tool to have in your belt. So I'm very happy for you that you've started on that journey. And of course, I'm always here for you if you need any more support, as I'm sure most of our oddlings would be as well. <laughs> Truth. Just a full community of trauma-bonded nonsense, you know? <laughs> what can you do? Trauma-bonded nonsense. We need that on merch. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I would rock that for sure. <laughs> Me too. So let's stop talking about our own trauma and let's stop, uh, you know, pretending like we're in the real world. And let's talk about this last episode of The Last of Us. Well, mm-hmm. the last episode for some of us. Some of us yes. aren't very good at keeping up on television, but... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't matter because the only episode I even want to talk about is episode three, mm-hmm. which is the one that you're most current on, which yep. was the, the most beautiful piece of devastating artwork I've ever seen. We don't typically do spoilers because, you know, not everyone can be up to date on television all the time. And I won't do a bunch of spoilers for the episode, but I will say I don't think a piece of television has moved me like that in a really long time. Yeah, I would agree with that. It was a it was such a beautiful episode in general, like the storyline, the visuals. Mm -hmm. It was it was really good. The timing, everything of it was just Wonderful. If you haven't seen The Last of Us, I know I gushed about it when the first episode came out, and then I was like, I'm just not going to talk about it till it's over. I'm sorry, the third one, I had to talk about it for a second because <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. And um, if you like a good love story in the apocalypse, 
you're gonna find it. And if you like a little bit of a gay love story in the apocalypse, you're gonna really like it. It's you're really good. gonna really like it. It's just yep. really good and uh, really fun. And even the straights that I've talked to have been like, oh, it was so wonderful, which typically, you know, you hear at least a couple of them chirping like why they have to be gay it's like no they had yeah. to be gay <laughs> and the story was only better because they were gay so like let's get it correct yeah thousand percent so um go into the last of us expecting zombies and you know uh bring your kleenexes yep it's going to be ready to cry crazy. yeah just a little bit uh heavily recommend truly truly heavily recommend okay so that also brings us to what our episode is about today, which this episode does come out on Thursday, which means it is actually past Valentine's Day. But you know what that means, besties? Half price candies at the grocery store. What you know? Facts. What you know about all of that? Um, so I know that Valentine's can be rough for some people another day for other people and a beautiful day for other people no matter where you fall on that line this episode's for you it is what it is <laughs> valentine's day is a day meant to be full of love cauldron knows there's a million opinions on that lovely holiday that it is is it a day for capitalism is big hallmark pushing an agenda i don't know yes capitalism really popped off with that one i'm gonna tell you today <laughs> um but I also think you can have a nice Valentine's Day without spending any money, too. Um, as we say with most things, intention is a key factor in everything you do. So even if it's just you being kinder to yourself or kinder to others, it's always nice to have that. I think if you look at the American culture of holidays and if you look on a calendar, it's really just another day meant to bring light to gray days of winter. I think another day to break up the monotony, kind of like Groundhog's Day, Valentine's Day, Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Kind of just silly holidays just to make February a little less shit. Um, it's a short month, but it definitely feels the longest sometimes. When I was younger and angrier, I thought Valentine's Day was the stupidest thing in the entire world. Like, truly, I just thought it was so Me dumb. Me too. I hated it. Yeah, but as an adult, I'm down for an extra intentional sweet day. But I feel that about most things as I do more shadow work within myself. Like, the things I used to hate so deeply, I tend to become at least indifferent to, you know, at, at the bare minimum, if not okay with. I keep trying to get Eerie to do the same thing with soup, but we all know where that's going to get us. <laughs> so I digress. So no matter where you fall on the Valentine's Day spectrum, we have some history for you today. Did you know, oddlings, that there is a deep, odd history to Valentine's Day? Because we're all about to learn. Picture this. February 14th, 270 AD. In a Roman town square, a temple priest is beheaded for wedding people against the church's rules and marrying Christians, which was a big no-no back then. All Catholic, baby. Did Fuck you know Catholicism. That? I did not know that. Yeah. You know, nothing says love like a good beheading. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. It's just kind of funny to be like, oh, he's so lovely. Chop. This temple priest had the last name Valentine, in which he became a saint after his judgment was doled out. He was the patron saint of courtly love, happy marriages, beekeepers, the mentally ill, and epilepsy. You know. What a variety. He it's really a nice dabbled. little rigmarole of responsibilities for this good saint of him. 
Do the bright flashes of love make you feel a little woozy? Do I have the saint for you? <laughs> I can't stand myself. Also bees? Bees, yeah. <laughs> buzz, buzz. Did you wonder if the Christian stole a pagan holiday again? You'd Always. be correct. Every Knew single it. one of them, dude. You can't, you can't hide from it. There are two theories about the origin of Valentine's Day. Some believe the day derives from Lupercalia. Oh, yeah. Which is a, a raucous Roman festival on February 15th where men stripped naked and then spanked young maidens in the hopes of increasing their fertility. I always think of... Um, I don't know why I said fertility as in the fertility and vitality together, but <laughs> I meant fertility. Fertility? I always think of uh, Sabrina because they did a Lupercalia festival in Sabrina the teen the new Sabrina. Oh, the new one. I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> the new one. The, new, the new spicier one. The spicier one. Well, that's interesting. Honestly, I'm kind of okay with that one being gone because, like, my social anxiety shot straight through. The, like, she started sweating <laughs> when I started reading that because I was like, I'm sorry, you did what for what, dog? Mm-mm, I don't know about all that. And then the other theory is just that they celebrate this saint going against the Romans for good Christian love. What's the truth? No one knows because they don't even know who the real St. Valentine's is. They say it's this one, the one that was beheaded. But what's interesting is that there are enough conflicting reports about this saint that in 1969, the Catholic Church removed him from rotation, even though he still does exist on the recognized saint list. You could just be cut from the team yeah, that easy. Yeah, cut from the team. What's really funny to me is that the saint that gives you a happy marriage was taken down in 69. I was going to say yeah. 69. Nice. The simulation we live in is so funny. <laughs> like, they really couldn't have picked a better year for that. And the reason for this being is that uh, today, one of the St. Valentine's still most well-visited parishes was built in Rome in 1960 for the needs of the Olympic village that was constructed for that year. So basically he got too much clout like in 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 this time and people were like, "Wait, who is this and what is he doing and what's happening?" And the church was like, "Uh yeah, we don't know who which guy this is and history's a little fuzzy, so like we'll just back it up a bit here." Well, me went low key viral back in yeah, the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's just so funny that they were like, um, you know, we don't know. So we're just going to, we're cutting that one. Don't worry about it. Um, so an interesting fact with that is that there was actually a Pope Valentine that served for about 40 days in eight, uh, 827 AD. Not really enough time to make an impact, but enough time to steal some of that spotlight, which is kind of funny to me. 40 days. He 40. had his moment and he made it work. Valentine was actually a pretty popular name. Well, Valentinus uh, in Latin means powerful, strong, and worthy. So there was a bunch of Valentines that were all martyrs, which is interesting. There's even a female, and her, I mean, she was Valentine, Valentina, mm-hmm. um, who died like a virgin and like was martyred. And like, there's a whole thing there, but like, it's only like a one very specific sect. Of religion, it's not like she's not like well, that well known. But there are Valentines all through the history, which is interesting. The OG Valentine skull, like good old Saint Valentine, apparently uh, is actually on display in the Basilica of Santa Maria in Cosmodin, Rome. 
They were doing some excavation in the early 1800s in the catacombs, and you know, out popped some skeleton remains and um, some artifacts that were associated with St. Valentine's at the time. And of course, these have been distributed around the world. You can find bits of him in like the Czech Republic, Ireland, Scotland, England, and France. And like, ain't that just the way? So you get venerized as a saint and then the white countries just like throw your bones whichever way the cash flows, which is like kind of funny. Ain't that just the ain't fucking way? Ain't that just way? the way? Um, which we do have oddlings in some of those countries. So if y'all have ever seen these artifacts, would you let us know? Because I'm interested to know what the culture thinks of this saint. Because like mm-hmm. here in the Americas, it's more of a holiday and it's like he's been taken off of our rosters. I didn't even know it was a real homie. Yeah, real homie. Isn't that interesting? What's also interesting is that in the 14th century, there's a man named Joffrey Chaucer and his friend group, they decided to spice up the feast day for St. Valentine and they decided to make it a little bit more romantic. So if you're like, that name sounds familiar, he is the author of the Canterbury Tales and was the first writer to be buried in what's now called the Poet's Corner in Westminster Abbey. Oh, hell yeah. It's pretty interesting. Almost 2,000 English words were first attested to his writings, which is pretty interesting. Homie, you know, basically he was the kind of guy to make fetch happen, if you feel me, you know? (laughs) Yeah, feel you. But what's interesting is he was also a religion sucks, Jesus saves type of guy. Mm, Okay. Which, like, okay. He was one of the first celebrities to kind of stick it to the church in famous writings, which is interesting because he and St. Valentine kind of found themselves in the same shoes. Like, listen, the church is what the church is, but, like, God is more powerful kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. And, like, now they're kind of interwoven throughout history. So Chaucer wrote a poem called The Parliament of Fowls, in which he says... For this was sent on St. Valentine's Day, when every fowl cometh there to choose his mate. Basically, the birds and the bees, but for humans. Like, he was, like, the birds are, you know, the birds are picking us, so we gotta be picking us kind of scenario. Which is kind of funny, because it's the 14th of February, y'all, so start cuffing season. Like, that's (laughs) kind of the vibe. Uh, Loki, though, saint of the bees, and the poet uses birds to talk about the day for mating. Like, it's literally the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. Which, just like that, the simulation is popping the fuck off today, and that's just <laughs> the case. This poem by Chaucer, it was all over the For You page in the 14th century. <laughs> I'm telling you, the peasants, they ate that shit up, no crumbs were left, they loved this. So this led to people starting to act up, and that led to what is called the Paston Letters. So Dame Elizabeth Bruce writes a, uh, about a match she's trying to set up for her daughter. And in this letter, she writes, Cousin mine, Bleck, I hate it already. Cousin mine, she goes, Cousin mine, that's how she starts this off. Upon Monday is St. Valentine's Day, and every bird chooses himself a mate. And if you like to come one Thursday night and make provision that you may abide till then, I trust ye God that you will speak to my husband, and I shall pray that we may bring the matter to a conclusion. So, like, imagine if this was today and you opened up an email from your cousin with some, like, Dua Lipa lyrics to convince <laughs> you to marry her kid. Like, basically, like, we used to live in a proper society, dog. We have lost the magic. 
I love that. She just dropped some heart. She was like, you know what? Here's some bars. Marry my kid. Thanks. <laughs> love that for her. Um, so anyway, this daughter of Elizabeth also wrote to this man saying, unto my right well beloved Valentine. And that's why we give Valentines out today. Isn't that interesting? Sweet that home, interesting. sweet home, Alabama, Victorian style dog. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's why like in kindergarten, you're forced to like make a little box and like pass out little lollipops to one another is because some, yeah. some one almost married their uncle in, you know, the 14th century. Thanks. I hate it. And I, and I stand by that and I've, and I've said that forever. Like, what <laughs> is that? That's crazy. And cousin mine, it's Valentine's day. Your ass better show up. Which is so funny. I just love that she she used the poem. But that's what I mean. It was popping off, dude. They loved it. They ate it up. It changed It changed Valentine's Day forever just because this one guy wrote a poem. Gotta do what you gotta do. So some interesting things that also happened on Valentine's Day is that Alexander Graham Bell applied for his telephone pattern on February 14th of 1876. Isn't that no. weird? Now I'm like, every time I see a valentine, it's like, call me. I'm like, literally, the simulation is popping off. Yeah. Think about like, he did that on Valentine's Day. And how many Valentine's you up texts do you think have been sent? (laughs) So many. He's probably raised a whole generation and had no idea. Yeah. Good for him. Um, Also, Oregon became a state in 1859 on Valentine's Day. Oregon. Oregon did. And Arizona also became a state February 14th of 1912. Wow. And you know what he said in that poem. Two states find each other celebrating on these days. <laughs> and just like the birds, they must now fall in love. <gasps> Oregon and Arizona forever. I ship. Genuinely. I my, ship. my OTP. Is that a thing that people are supposed to have? I don't know. Oh my god, OTP. OTP. Taking me back fucking Tumblr 2012. You know, dog. So, Erie, I know that you have looked into some interesting things that also have Valentine's monikers. I'm excited to learn about it. You want to tell her oddlings? Are you talking about the massacre? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, what are you your monikers? I'm, I'm setting you up, bitch. What the fuck? <laughs> My bad, homie. Mm-hmm. You better leave that in there. So then the people know. <laughs> I'm the one in showbiz. Uh, <laughs> it's Erie's always just been here. You. I've never pretended. Yeah, so today you get a twofer. We're covering two different topics. Oh, hell yeah. Both Valentine's Day related. So Serafina's got you on the history. Um, I've got history, but as you know, mine's always sad. So (laughs) people are going to die. So, yeah, so uh, death is happening. So, welcome to the Valentine's Day massacre segment of our (laughs) episode. Um, That is what I will be covering today. So, let me set the scene for you. Serafina Hannes in the old timeies. We're kicking it medieval style. Hell Nowadays, yeah. we're in the 1920s. All right. Prohibition is in full fucking swing. Damn. Can um, you imagine how dry those Valentine's Day must have been? Well, depends on where you were living in the U.S. That's but yeah. true. That is true. <laughs> um, so Prohibition had started in 1920 and would not end until 1933. I didn't realize it was that long. I knew it was long, but for some reason I thought after the Great Depression, they were like, no, 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 sell the alcohol, sell no, it no, all. Sell- well, uh, yeah, I do talk about that a little bit later about like oh, okay. why. Of course, it's all about money. It's always about money. It's always about money. Capitalism so, popped off. 
It literally does. <laughs> um, so the Valentine's Day Massacre happened on February 14th, 1929. So it's like right smack dab in the middle of Prohibition. Mm -hmm. So you know what happens when we decide to make fun illegal, right? People mm -hmm. find ways to have fun anyway. Yeah, definitely. So during Prohibition, the bootlegging and speakeasy industries were literally booming. And mobsters were making big time bucks because mm -hmm. they were... Doing everything they could to make sure that liquor got where it needed to go. And you could be an average Joe and become rich overnight because you're yeah. getting involved in the bootlegging industry. Um, something I read that was interesting was the term organized crime didn't really exist in the United States before Prohibition. Criminal gangs had started running amok in American cities since the 19th century. So I was like, we just never... It was never, or the crime was just disorganized up it until was all then. Disorganized. <laughs> they found, um, what is her name? Uh, Maria Kondo, and they were like, let's, let's fix this mess up. <laughs> Time to organize your crime and put it in a neat box. So let's get into the players that were involved in the Valentine's Day massacre. So, uh, first, we're gonna talk about the Northside Gang. The Northside Gang, also known as the Northside Mob, was an Irish-Polish-American criminal organization headed by George, quote, Bugs Moran. Um, with the start of Prohibition, the Northsiders quickly took control of the existing breweries and distilleries in the north side of Chicago. This gave them a near monopoly on the local supply of real beer and high-quality whiskey. Um, so that basically means that their rivals only had supplies of what was called rot-gut liquor uh -huh. and moonshine. Rot-gut just means poor quality. Yeah. But I was like, oh, God, rot-gut. Yeah. I mean, that's how all of it makes me feel, but I get that. And that's how all of it actually does yeah. like it is <laughs> it's the so. only time they were honest in capitalism for sure facts like you knew what you were buying now yeah. it's yeah in addition to bootlegging the gang continued to burglarize local stores and warehouses and run illegal gambling operations i thought this was interesting that they mentioned this i couldn't figure out why this was the case but unlike the rival chicago gang um, the Northside Gang refused to traffic in prostitution. I couldn't figure out why they didn't do that. Um, my only guess is that sometimes mobs were really religious. Oh, so you it know. could have been a scenario like that. Oh yeah, Irish. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I tried to do some research and find more, but you know, you you got the big brain. That's why we got you here. <laughs> um, the other gang is the Chicago Outfit, also known as the Outfit. The Chicago Mafia, the Chicago Mob, the Chicago Crime Family, the Southside Gang, or the Organization. Um, and they were an Italian-American organized crime syndicate or crime family based in Chicago, Illinois, that originated in the city's south side in the early 1910s. It is part of the larger Italian-American Mafia. Uh, during this time period, it was headed by... Al Capone, which, mm -hmm. you know, most people know that name. I've heard it a time um, or two. <laughs> me too. Over the years, Al Capone consolidated control over most of Chicago's crime rackets by ruthlessly gunning down his rivals. In 1924, authorities counted some 16 gang-related murders. Um, this brand of slang continued until 1929, reaching a high of 64 murders in one year during that time. But that's only what's recorded. That is def- yes, absolutely. Because I'm gonna say, that's, th that seems like rookie numbers. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think it's important to talk about this part of like the Al Capone stuff because I feel like he's one of those people that gets really glorified, especially with like how he's been portrayed in media. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you forget about, and you're absolutely right. Sixty-four murders seems fairly low. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be higher than that. Yeah, it is weird. They give him like uncontrollable riz in the media. Yeah, like he yeah. is that guy. He is that guy. You are absolutely correct. So let's get into the massacre itself. Um, the Northside gang ran their bootlegging operations out of a garage um, in the Lincoln Park neighborhood of Chicago's Northside. Uh, I saw Lincoln Park and was like, haha, Lincoln Park. That's where um, it is from. Um, at 10.30 a.m., on St. Valentine's Day, Thursday, February 14th, 1929, seven members of the Northside gang were gunned down by four men, two dressed as police officers, the other two wore suits, ties, overcoats, and hats. The Northside gang did not put up a fight because they believed they were being subjected to a police raid. So that's why mm. it kind of went down without there being, you know, like a big shootout mm-hmm. because they're, the two men were dressed as police officers. To give the appearance that everything was under control, the men in street clothes after the massacre happened were actually let out by the two uniformed policemen to make it look like it was a police raid so that they could get out of the garage easier which like holy fuck um inside the garage the only survivors in the warehouse were a dog named highball okay and frank gusenberg despite 14 bullet wounds i also saw somewhere he was shot 22 times Mm. um he was still conscious and then later died and i'll go over some of his stuff um no one survived the massacre except for highball also highball was a german shepherd fun fact i i was curious honestly like i'm as long as he's fine i'm fine, i know you know i know it's like they didn't kill the dog thank god um and and basically what happened was they lined all of the men up in front of a wall of a garage and like had them you know stand facing the wall and then they gunned them all down in the Um, back yeah that is a war crime people just so everyone knows well i mean it's it's just crime i mean yeah (laughs) but i'm just saying like it's it's not look somebody in the eyes if you're gonna kill no sorry anyway (laughs) as ned stark says uh he who um gives the sentence swings the the sword or whatever yeah yeah um i guess which this part was crazy to me some 70 rounds of ammunition were fired jeez holy 70 yeah ouch um victims included moran's second in command and brother-in-law albert Kachelik, alias James Clark, um, Adam Heyer, the gang's bookkeeper and business manager, Albert Weinshank, who managed several cleaning and dyeing operations for Moran, gang enforcers Frank Gusenberg and Peter Gusenberg. So Frank was the one that I was talking about that they found who was still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> among the police who found them, was Sergeant Clarence Sweeney, who had grown up in the same neighborhood as the Gusenberg brothers and immediately recognized Frank when he came upon the scene. Hmm. Sweeney asked Frank who shot him, and Gusenberg 
basically said no one. He replied and he said no, no one, nobody shot me. So uh, basically Frank was observing the principle of omerta, which is absolute silence, and he didn't want to, you know, say like this is who we did that. Snitches um, stitches, bitch. Facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank was then taken to the hospital where he was once again asked by Sweeney who shot him, and he again refused to answer. Supposedly, Frank's last words were, I ain't no copper. Yeah, and that's what it is, dog. I'm like, hell yeah, bro. And in that moment, he said that and immediately transcended to heaven. Like, there he goes. Like, like oh, there immediately. Is. 100%. I read that and I was like, damn, fuck, you tell him, Frank. He said, you know what, A cab. <laughs> you know what? And I live by that. And I die by that. <laughs> um, the other two people that were shot were two associates. Reinhardt H. Schwimmer, a former optician turned gambler and gang associate, and John May, an occasional mechanic for the Morton Gang. Um, Highball was John May's dog. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so most of the Moran gang arrived at the warehouse by approximately 10.30 a.m., but Moran himself was not there at the time that everyone else was because he left his apartment late. And I was like, he left it. Well, he left his hotel. Um, he left his Parkway Hotel apartment late. And I'm just sitting here like, that's some shit I would do. People would be like, mm-hmm. we're trying to kill Erie and they like make an appointment and I'm at least like... 30 to 45 minutes late. Honestly, I think it's the only reason you're still alive now. You're not wrong. You know, you just missed a couple hit times. Absolutely. Um, he and fellow gang member Ted Newberry were approaching the rear of the warehouse from a side street when they saw a police car nearing the building. So they immediately turned and retraced their steps going to a nearby coffee shop. Basically, they were like, okay, well, this is fucked. Like, we're supposed to go to this meeting. Now the cops are there. So something is obviously wrong. Right. Um, they encountered another gang member, Henry Gusenberg, on the way back and warned him, and he also turned around. Um, so basically, at that point, all the gang members were like alerted, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, there's something. There's something going down." So Capone's lookouts likely mistook one of Moran's men, prob- probably Albert Weinshank, who was the same height and build for Moran himself. Um, the physical similarity between the two was enhanced by their dress that morning because everyone was all dressed up to the nines. Right. So basically, like, the, the people who murdered the group were like, okay, Moran's definitely there, so we're going, but Moran hadn't even gotten there yet, as we know. Mm. Uh, the Valentine's Day Massacre set off a public outcry, which posed a problem for all mob bosses. Basically, within days, Capone received a summons to testify before a Chicago grand jury on the charges of federal prohibition violations. He said he was too unwell to attend. <laughs> Do you just get to... <laughs> Do you Me. Just... <laughs> like, sorry, I sorry. can't go to jail today. Yeah, not today. Not this time. <laughs> My bad. Um, the perpetrators have been conclusively identified, but former members of the Egan's Rats gang working for Capone are suspective of involvement. Others have said that members of the Chicago Police Department who allegedly wanted revenge for the killing of a police officer's son played a part in the killing as well. Hmm. Okay, but why were they killing people other than mobs be doing mob stuff? Uh, so... The massacre was an attempt to eliminate Bugs Moran, mm-hmm. obviously, because it's two gang members trying to... Yeah. Two gangs doing gang stuff. Well, and Bugs has the up. Yes, they, they the are... They got alcohol. Yep. They're really... 
And he was the head of the gang. Yeah. Uh, the Northside gang. So Al Capone, who was at his Florida home at the time, <laughs> which I read that and I was like, bro literally was like, I'm going to Florida. Good luck and Godspeed. I'm a little too sick to testify, but I will be in Florida. Uh, yeah, but I <laughs> I don't feel well that I'm in Florida. Uh, was widely assumed to have been responsible for ordering the massacre. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That seems very obvious to me. That's why I put it at the end, because I'm like, I think we all know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that everyone's doing this. Um, basically, uh, the thought behind, like, why Al Capone was, like, doing this now, because mm-hmm. they had been against each other for, like, a long time, was that the Northside gang was hijacking some pretty expensive whiskey that was being illegally smuggled by Capone's gang from Canada via the Detroit River. Oh, shit. So that was part of what they were doing, was yeah. they were smuggling from Canada, which, like... I- it's, I think that's funny because when people talk about like legalizing drugs, right? Mm-hmm. They're always talking about how we'd get it from Mexico. Mm-hmm. But like, do people just forget that Canada do be a place we'd be smuggling shit from? We get a lot of um, medical stuff from Canada, like a yeah, lot that's of I'm, like, prescription pills and stuff. But you never like we're smuggling. I don't. Well, I, you know why, like, right? What? It starts with an R and ends with a ism. Racism. And they're brown You're right. people. <laughs> Yeah, they're right, the problem. Right. Yeah, no. The, well, that's why there's some people who, um, when they are talking about this point, they call Canadians the snow Mexicans, <laughs> which, like, I think it's not a great term, but I have heard, like, great. political, like, when they're, like, making jokes about it. Yeah, they're like, we're all worried about the brown people, but these snow Mexicans are bringing in all the prescription pills, like, making jokes. Dude, literally. Yeah, because I read that and I was like, I don't ever think about. Canada be in a place that we smuggle things from, but you know yeah. what? That's that was because of racism. That's because of racism. Yeah. Accurate. So, the legacy of that parking garage, uh, because here's the thing, when places and things are around, when bad things happen, they become a hot commodity. They sure do. So, the parking garage itself was demolished in 1967, and the site is now a parking lot for a nursing home. And I'm like, why does it happen? Why do we keep doing these things and then putting a nursing home there? Like, We really do just be putting the seniors where the ghosties already are. Yeah, like, it you're just like, you, all, you know, we're just putting you there. You're already... The reason way, we're right? saying this is because when we were in Salem, we found out a lot of the nursing homes that are in Salem are, are built on top of cemeteries. Yeah. Where, like, terrible things happened. So now this is like the same thing, yeah, but listen, in Chicago, bad things happen. Just put some old people on it. Just put, it's yeah, history literally. on history. It's just, fine. <laughs> just slap a nursing home on it. It's fine. Uh, the bricks of the north wall against which the victims were shot were purchased by a Canadian businessman, and the, for many years, the one that was giving them the whiskey. Oh, oh I'm just saying. You right. I got theories. <laughs> For many years, they were displayed in various crime-related novelty displays. What the fuck does that mean? It literally just means that they were like, anytime there's like a display where they're talking about true crime or like a crime, they're like, here's this brick that came from that specific wall where people died. So can we just call that a museum? Novelty. Well, now they're in a museum. Like back then it was like a roadside thing, like pull off here and see the bricks where... That's so interesting. (laughs) Come see this single display. It's in some kids' like project. That's what I'm they saying. Build, like, <laughs> like it makes it sound like so much smaller of an endeavor. It really does. Um, 
So later, many of the bricks were sold individually, and then the rest of them are now owned by the Mob Museum, which is in Las Vegas, which is so interesting to me because this happened in Chicago. Well, you know the mob built Las Vegas, right? You didn't know that? We'll have to do no. an episode on that. Yeah, the, we will. the mob owned all of the casinos. So like that makes so much sense. Yeah, that's now I'm the, like what? That's why the mob museum is in Las Vegas. That is why the mob museum is in Las Vegas. Seraphine is teaching me shit about the mob. I don't know. I know a lot of admittedly, shit. guys, I don't know shit about the mob. I, I wish don't. I could tell you I didn't learn that from a Ghost Adventures episode, but here we are. Ah uh, yes, Zach Baggins. Here hello. We well, he's also in Vegas, so he does a lot of Vegas stuff. So I've just I've seen a lot of like hour long episodes about the history of like what the mob did to people <laughs> in back alleys and stuff in Vegas, which is actually kind of interesting because. Listen, I might be pro mob. I might be pro mob. I don't I don't like my crime disorganized, okay? You organize that crime and I can be sold. But they all had like really high like not like morals. I will say morals. They have a very high code of ethics. So like people in Vegas who would like act a fucking fool, you would be kicked out of one casino and then you would not be allowed in any of the other ones. Okay, that is pretty fun. Which cool. like I fuck with. That is pretty rad. I don't disagree with that. But yeah. yeah, if you want to see this wall, it's twenty nine ninety five for general admission oh my, $30 uh, to get to into the mob museum. Hey, it's a wall. Most of the bricks. I'm just expecting us to see one of these bricks like in one of our Oddity Marketplace groups on Facebook. Like, Honestly? Single brick. I, I'm surprised we haven't. I once had a dream. I have a lot of dreams about the garden because I spent a lot of time there. But I had this dream that I had this garden that had a brick path through it and all of the bricks were cool bricks from different historical events. Okay. So, like, I would put a mob death brick in my garden I mean, garden path. I would own it. Yeah, I would That's own cool. it as well. I have no... I mean, we're talking about someone, me, who owns a lot of yeah. shit that is potentially got weird <laughs> shit attached to it. For sure. I just, you know, if I can make my garden a little odder, I'm gonna, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. So, that's valentine's day massacre that's all i so in total how many people died in this seven people died seven if people it had worked out the way it was supposed to where yeah where moran was there it could have potentially been 10 that's but what seven was, uh, yeah is, it was yeah. 10 could have been seven died one dog yeah. lived one dog lived yeah but you said that there was over 70 bullets found yeah, 70. They were Ten. shot with Thompson guns. Oh. I did have a blurb in here, but I forget. Which is like the, anytime someone thinks of the mob, yep. that's the, that is the gun that they think of. Like the whole Tommy gun thing. Yes. Yeah, they were, they were shot with Thompson guns. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, 70. Which is 70. insane. Well, that one guy got 20, though. They yeah, hated he, him extra hard. They, they, they really don't yeah. like that guy. I saw it two different numbers. I saw it was either 14 or 22. So I'm sure it was somewhere. In I, mean, I mean, when when someone gets shot like that much, I'm sure that it's hard to... Yeah, how do you... Yeah. I don't know how you tell. Me either. Yeah, that's crazy. That is... I mean, you're thinking a 10 bullet per budget person. Yeah. That's a, that's also, a hard end. Also, um, the Mob Museum does have some info on their website that goes through this whole thing um, with pictures. I do want to warn you, there are pictures of, like, the crime scene. Oh, and, really? like, there are dead bodies. So, like, if Oof. you don't want to see that, just be careful. But the oh. info on there is super cool. Save yourself $30 and check out their website for sure. Yeah. That is interesting. You know what I also found out when I was doing my Valentine's Day research? That Jimmy Hoffa was also born on valentine's day in 1913 
Huh. Another, well, they call him a, a teamster, but I mean, he was a mob, uh, he was a huge mob member, so. Yeah. That is pretty interesting. Also, uh, I probably should have done this disclaimer earlier, but like, mob, we're cool. We're not going to blame you guys for anything. I literally just said earlier, I like, I'm down with the mob. I'm down with the mob. Yeah. Also, just, please don't use that in court against me. I don't know any mobs. I'm just saying, like, they, it, throughout history. <laughs> throughout history they seem to have kind of a higher moral ethic code and uh it's kind of like gangs in the sense like teamsters in a sense they were all um their communities created to buck the system mm-hmm. and we effectively hate the system here so I, yeah down i with mean the system listen i'm not saying that their methods are perfect i'm just saying they just seem to protect their communities and like and i'm just covering this specific part of their history i'm not saying one way or the other okay we're cool i'm down i'm also down i'm chilling because guess what i ain't no copper <laughs> i ain't no copper and you heard it here first folks so Absolutely. yeah so that's valentine's day a history <laughs> A history. We really did it. There's other ones. Uh, there's other stuff through history that is kind of um, a lot darker. Like, there's a, yeah. a bombing in Germany that happened where, like, 20,000 people died. No, thank you. Not great, but they don't attest that to Valentine's Day. It just happened to be, like, the day it fell on. Um, yeah. So, it's not that... Um, much of a valentine's day moniker but there is other stuff that happens i mean shit happens every single day sometimes things just fall on holidays but i did think it was interesting that really valentine's day the biggest things in history that are known throughout history have to deal with death a beheading and like a Mm -hmm. war crime murder yep so so you know like i said earlier nothing says love like a good beheading (laughs) or a good uh shoot them up i guess yeah people say that valentine's day is the second most goth holiday yeah after halloween and i would agree with that it is pretty definitely it's pretty goth yeah i mean we're celebrating a day from uh, a person getting murdered in town square yeah so like there's that it's pretty goth pretty goth it's pretty goth pretty goth um also before we leave we're at the end of the episode so i did want to give a little bit of an update from last week's episode um i want to say thank you to the people who listened and showed support and also um, reached out to me to talk about the episode um just to give some updates shit's still really fucked up in turkey um, they updated the death toll about five hours ago, and it's sitting at 33,000 people now, which is devastating. Um, but they also arrested a lot of the building contractors. So I know I touched on it a little bit in the last episode, but I didn't want to speak out of turn. Um, and Erie, I don't know how much... I remember I ranted about it to you, but I don't remember if I I touched on this, but basically in 99, Istanbul had a really bad earthquake where 17,000 people died, and um, they then started charging an earthquake tax on people to, like, clean up the last earthquake, but then also fulfill Turkey's need for um, infrastructure that was earthquake-proof. And um, basically, they uh, never did that. Oh, no. They took the money and then didn't do it. I hate that. Yeah, it's really bad. So, I mean, these deaths are 
realistically on the people who's took who took that money and then did nothing mm-hmm. for it. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, we are sitting at a very high uh, number there, and it's probably going to continue to grow. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's the scenario here. The elements weren't on people's sides, um, and obviously, the people who were supposed to be on their sides are also not. So. You know, continue your energy, continue your prayers, continue whatever you have for those people at this point who are now effectively in mourning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been it's been rough, and um, I've I've kept up on the news, and you know I've I've spent my time um, trying to learn as much as I can and help as much as I can, and it's been it's been really heavy. It's definitely been really heavy, um, and I once again can only just be grateful that. I, I don't live in a scenario where earthquakes are a thing. I mean, we have other things, but I, earthquakes, they're, they're so scary. And I saw... They're some, very scary because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. And someone made a joke, and it's not the time for joking, but it just was, it's, you know, philosophy of, you know, if you can't trust the earth, who can you trust? You know, kind of scenario, which is, like, so yeah. dumb. But, like, they were they were trying to lighten their own mood in that moment. But it just is true that that shit's scary it's awful so yeah please give keep giving your love to those survivors now they're they have a long road ahead of them and then with the east palestine train scenario um it's worse (laughs) than i thought um and we're kind of in a scenario where um there's not much being done about it so if you are in the ohio area or the west virginia area or the pennsylvania area um Please um, be careful with what you're uh, you're doing with water. Um, I do recommend ordering water test strips. I ordered some for us as well, and we're pretty far away um, from the scenario. But water spreads quickly, air spreads quickly, you know. So the Ohio River gives five million people their water, and it has now been effectively contaminated at its most northern point. So. There will be a lot of repercussions from this. Um, please try to prepare yourself as best as you can. I know I said it a million times last time. I'm not a fear monger. I don't think you need to be fearful. Just be prepared just in case. Mm-hmm. It, there are things that are in place that could po- potentially really help the scenario. But once again, you're depending on those safeguards to work. So just be careful. Be safe. I hope that you guys did have a good Valentine's Day, um, even if you hate the holiday i hope it was a good tuesday and uh of course we're always grateful to have you guys all right well stay safe and stay on arcadia